Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, welcome to the last week of our Intention series. The whole goal behind this month is to be able to help us close the gap between our intentions and our actions, to close the gap between what we dreamed our marriage would be, what we dreamed our relationships would look like, to close those gaps and be able to truly live out what we hoped everything would look like. And none of the steps we've talked about are easy. None of them just come with like a snap of the finger. They all take time, but they are all absolutely worth it. And today, as we wrap up, I want to close out this series by talking with you about having an intentional future, an intentional future. And it bears repeating. I know we say it all the time, but it bears repeating because a lot of we need we need to hear it a bunch of times for it to sink in. We don't drift towards health. We drift towards unhealthy habits. That's what comes easiest to the majority of us. And so many times in our relationships, we just figure we're going to drift towards health. I mean, we heard a whole series on intention, so obviously it's all going to be better. We went to a marriage conference and it's all going to be better. I read a book one time and and now it's all going to make sense. And it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen organically. It happens by us intentionally taking steps, intentionally making decisions, intentionally choosing to have healthy relationships. And it reminds me of a story that I heard of recently about a man named Chris who was picking up some friends from the airport. Chris was at the airport and he was just waiting uh, for his friends to show up and he was next to a family. And as he was standing there, this guy comes walking up, carrying his bags. And when he saw his family, He dropped the bags and he got down on one knee with his youngest son and he goes, oh man, there you are. I have missed you so much. I love you so much. And they're hugging and and it's this beautiful moment. Then he looks up at his oldest son and he says, oh my goodness, what a man you've become. Do you know how proud I am of you? Do you know how much I love you? And they hugged and, and it was a beautiful moment again. And he looks at his little baby girl and he says, there she is. There's my princess. And he kisses her a hundred times all over her face and squeeze and she just squeals with joy. And it's, it's amazing. And he says, I saved the best for last. And he stands up and he comes to his wife and he grabs her face and they passionately kiss each other. And they just stare at each other in the eyes. And Chris is standing there awkwardly like, man, this is intense and beautiful and and such an incredible moment. And before he realized it, it slipped out of his mouth. How long have you guys been married? And the man heard him and he said, 15 years. And it shocked Chris. And Chris says, "Well, well, how long have you been gone? And he says, man, it's been three whole days. And Chris starts laughing to himself and he says, man, I hope when I'm 15 years into marriage, my marriage looks like that. 
And the man stopped and he looked at him. He said, my friend, don't hope, decide. And it's this powerful idea for us that we have the opportunity to decide. Guys, can I be real with you? So many of us, we just, we feel like life is happening to us and and everything is out of our control that we're, our relationship, it just is what it is. We're stuck in this and we believe that lie that we're stuck, but look at this truth. We have the keys to unlock the future direction and health of our relationships. We're not stuck. We have the keys in our hands. We're not stuck in some proverbial prison that we just can't get out of. And if we just could have the answers, if we could just have the right therapist, if we could just have the right financial state, then all of a sudden everything would be all better. But the truth is you and I are sitting there with the keys in our hands, not turning the lock to take the steps that we need to to have this healthy future. We, we may not be able to control what happens to us in life, which we can't. We may not be able to, to control what the future holds, but we can absolutely make decisions right now to prepare for facing whatever future we have together. We can take the steps that we need to to control the way that we're going to navigate the present in order to be ready for whatever the future throws at us. Look at this truth. You have the chance to live by principles rather than pressure. Principles rather than pressure. We've talked about this before, but it's so important. Listen, life is going to pressure you and it's, it's either going to crush you or it's going to prove to you how much strength you actually have together as a couple. It has an opportunity to do either or. And the reality is, it's a choice. It's such a choice for us. I was telling a friend of mine recently that's walking through a really challenging situation. And I said so many times, the wounds that we have from our circumstances or from our situations or from what's happening, it, it gives us a chance to really see below the surface of what's going on. Like we, we don't want to feel the pain, but there's something powerful about that open wound being there in order for us to see what's really going on below the surface. Because a lot of times there's so many things happening in life that we never take time, create margin, intentionally dig in to see what's happening in our hearts. We never dig down deep enough. But when we're in pain, when we're going through challenging situations, it creates this natural moment for us where we just can't help it. We have all the feels. We are in our feelings. Like We, we feel all of this stuff. This stuff starts coming out from beneath us. And it's like, I, I didn't even know I was dealing with that. I didn't know that insecurity, that fear, that struggle, that pain, that, that ungrieved loss. I didn't realize all of that was lingering below the surface. And so, so many times we view our lives as if, man, if I could just get out of this circumstance, but look at this truth, man, it's so powerful. God usually changes your perspective before he changes your circumstance. God wants to change your perspective. Why? Why doesn't God just snap his fingers and just change everything for us? And I believe it's because he wants us to have perspective on what's really going on. He wants us to see what's happening within our own hearts. He wants us to, to realize and recognize his place in our life. He wants us to see 
how much we are relying on ourselves rather than relying on him. It, it's in these moments of struggle and pain. And for some of you walking through struggle in your marriage and struggle mentally and struggle in your, in your relationships, God isn't going to just change the circumstance and all of a sudden it's just going to all be better. No, he wants to, to help you intentionally prepare for the future. He wants you to learn whatever it is that we need to learn in this season, to grow however we need to grow in this season and to experience him in whatever way we need to experience him in order for us to be better on the other side. So how do we have an intentional future? How do we have an intentional future in our marriage, in our dating, in our relationships? Look at this truth. It's so important. To get what you never had, you must do what you've never done. To get what you've never had, you have to do what you've never done. It reminds me of that story with with Chris at the airport going, man, I, I hope my marriage looks like that. And the man looking at him going, no, bro, decide. Choose that this is what your family is going to look like. Choose that this is the way you're going to treat your kids. Choose this is the way I'm going to treat my spouse. And it's, it's amazing in our relationships how we just continue to do the same things over and over again. And we expect different results, right? But we, we just figure that if I just keep dropping hints, if I keep assuming the worst, if I keep arguing with her, if I keep comparing our schedules, if I keep doing this little thing that drives him crazy, but somehow this time, this is going to be the moment where it clicks for him and they'll change. And it's like, what? Why do we do this? We all do this. We all do the same thing repetitively. It's what, I'm, what I said in the beginning. We don't drift towards health. We drift towards unhealthy. So we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again in our relationships. And then we, we're like, you won't change. It's like, wait a minute. If we want what we've never had in a relationship, we have to do something we've never done before. The challenge is to recognize that if we want something different, we have to do something new. We have to approach it a new way. We can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expect a different result. I love the words of the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. This is the Lord speaking through Isaiah to, to Israel, to his people. And he's, he's encouraging them that I want to do something new and incredible in your life. Look at this, Isaiah 43, 18. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. But this verse, verse 22, is so key. But dear family of Jacob, you refuse to ask for my help. Can I just be honest? You've grown tired of me, O Israel. You've grown tired of me. And this is a challenge for us to recognize that God wants to do something new, not only in your life, but through your marriage. God doesn't want to just do something new in your life. He wants to do something new in your dating. He wants to do something new within us. He's a creative and brilliant and amazing God. He wants to do something different. But can we just be honest 
That last verse is so key. Either we refuse to ask for help or we've just grown tired of him and we don't involve him at all. That hurts. That stings. It's like, oh, wait, I I want the rivers through the wilderness. I want the wilderness to go away. Like, I I like this path out of this tough situation. This that sounds good. God goes, but you, you refuse to ask for my help. You refuse to involve me. And honestly, guys, I feel like you're tired of me. It's such a challenge to us. And and the challenge for us in that, that I I believe that we have to walk away from this, is that we have to invite God back into the center of our marriage. We have to invite God back into the center of our lives. For some of you, you need to invite God back into into the center of how you date. You, you, for a period of time, you dated people with God at the center of it, and you're going to be God honoring, and you're going to be cautious in the way that you treat people and you you weren't going to just strive after just getting your physical needs met and you're going to approach this in a different way but it just got old and and maybe you didn't find your your spouse yet you didn't find your wife you didn't find your husband and you're like I give up on that I'm just going to do it my own way and God is inviting us back to put him at the center of our lives for some of you before God can be at the center of your marriage God has to be the center of your heart. For some of you, you've pushed God so far out of the picture. How do you expect to have a healthy relationship? How do we expect to be good with one another when we're not good with him? We have to bring him back into the center of our lives that as we do that, his promise to us that as he is made the center, as he is made the top priority, as he is made that when we seek him first, all of the other things that we're looking for will happen. And some of you, you're trying to fix your marriage. You're trying to fix your communication. You're trying to fix the way that you fight. And that's amazing and it's healthy, but it starts with God being at the center. Is God at the center of your heart? Is God at the center of your relationship? Let's shift. For some of you, you want to go back to the good old days, right? When you first started dating, when you first got married, it was amazing. It was beautiful. The passion was overwhelming conversation was just flowing. For some of you ladies, you were so confused because us men, we wouldn't shut up when we were dating and then when we got married, all we could do is grunt. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? before you were poetic and you were writing songs to me and you were throwing rocks at my window and now I can't get you out the recliner. What happened? For some of you, you want to go back. You want to go back to what it used to be like, man, Sex was passionate and it happened all the time. And now it's like, what are we, is this ever going to happen again? Am I going to be celibate as a married human being for the rest of my life? What is going on? Like, right, seriously, we want to go back to those passionate days. Look at this truth. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. To get what you once had, you have to do what you once did. There's, there's a powerful message in the book of Revelation. 
And we'll just be honest, like most of us avoid that part of the Bible. Like when you get all the way to the last chapter of the Bible, when you start reading and you're like, this is crazy. This is what are we talking about? This is wow. This is a lot. And so I, I totally understand. But there's this really cool sequence of events that happens in Revelation 2 where where Jesus is actually speaking to the churches. And there's a powerful uh, verse that I want you to read with me in Revelation 2, starting in verse 2. This is what Jesus is, is saying to this church in Ephesus. He says, I know that you've all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. I also know how you bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. This is so good. Verse four, but, mm, you hate that in the conversation, but I have this against you, church. I have this against you, church of Ephesus. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Verse five, think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first, and I, or I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. There's a hilarious movie with Tina Fey and, and Steve Carell called Date Night. It's one of Lauren and I's favorite movies. It, it always cracks us up. And there's this scene towards the end where they're sitting there together in this car and they're talking about one of their friends, uh, their marriage is falling apart and they had just found out that they're getting a divorce. And it was this important conversation for them because Steve Carell is, is telling his wife about how the husband, his friend felt. And his, his friend was saying, you know, we everything was, was fine, but we just started drifting apart and then we just started going through the motions. And before we knew it, we were just really great roommates. And it was this really cool conversation between Steve Carell and Tina Fey about how they didn't want their relationship to look like that. And it, but isn't that so true? Like, it just became this thing where they, they took care of the kids and they, they paid the bills and they kept everyone alive and they hung out with friends. But, but the thrill was gone. And I believe Jesus would relate that to the church in Ephesus. Everything was all good. They were doing the right things. But something was missing. Have you ever had a conversation with your boss like that? Like you sit down at the table and they're like, hey, listen, you're a hard worker and you're awesome and people get along with you and you're like, this is awesome, I'm getting a raise. And then it's followed by, but that's not what we're here for today. And it's just like this gut punch of like, Oh, man, don't don't start off with all this good stuff and then turn it on me. There's something we need to address. You have abandoned your passionate love for me. In other words, Jesus is telling the church, and I believe for some of you, he's telling you this as well. Listen, you're you're doing the right things. You're saying the right things. We you you literally are like the best roommate ever. But there's an issue we're not supposed to be roommates. We're supposed to be lovers. And for some of you, that's where your marriage is right now. Life is calm. 
Financially, things are okay. Your house is in order. Your kids are alive. You don't fight, but you don't fight because there's this abundance of harmony. You don't fight because there's no passion. You guys have grown apart. What your relationship looked like in the beginning where it's passionate and it was and maybe it wasn't perfect, but man, there was something there. There was an it factor. It was something that drew you to one another constantly. That's gone. And Jesus, as he speaks to this church, gives us this incredible advice. Hey, go back to what you once did. If your marriage feels lifeless and and losing passion, Go back to what you once did. If you feel like we're just really incredible roommates, but we've grown so far apart, go back to what you once did. Jesus wants to do incredible things in your relationship. Listen, guys, God didn't intend for your marriage and your relationship to be lifeless and boring and one where you you just get through it every day. That's not the beautiful picture that God has painted for your relationship. God doesn't want you to be really great roommates. God wants you to be passionately in love with one another, passionately connected. Listen, when he's talking to this church, he says, man, you're doing the right things. You're calling out false prophets. You're following all the rules. You've got a good attitude. It's all good. But man, you're just going through the motions. You don't love me how you used to love me. And I just wonder how many of you, that's what you're feeling in your relationship. And we're being called back to what we once did. Here's the challenge for you. On a scale from one to 10, determine how passionate you are about your spouse. Evaluate your number. Evaluate where you're at when it comes to your passion for your spouse. And then figure out why. If you're at a nine, why? Why are you there? Why are you so passionate about her? Why are you so passionate about him? If you're at a two, Evaluate why, what's going on, what's missing, what's happening, but also evaluate within yourself why it's there. Remember, we're not pointing fingers. We're not doling out blame. We need to evaluate within ourselves why we're there. As we wrap up this series, I want to share with you some words from 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And I know we've covered this one before, and, and many of you have heard this a thousand times at a wedding of, of love is the patient, love is kind, love it. We're not going to that. I actually want to go to the end of that passage to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And there's some important things for us here. Chapter 13, verse 13. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, in love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. And I believe, guys, that if we want to have an intentional future, we have to hold fast to these virtues, faith, hope, and love. It's such a powerful and important thing for us to get our hearts and our heads around. 
In the context of today, I want to give you maybe some different definitions of what faith, hope, and love might look like for you as you navigate your relationships, as you navigate marriage, as you navigate your dating. And look at this first one, faith. Faith is choosing to believe the best even if the present doesn't prove it. Faith is believing the best, even if right now the proof isn't in the pudding. Right now, you aren't living your best. Right now, your spouse isn't hitting the marks. Right now, they're really struggling. Right now, you're really struggling. But faith, faith is is choosing to hold on to one another, choosing to believe the best, believing that the present pain, the present circumstance, the the, the present struggle isn't the end, that you have faith and belief that there's still something there. There's still something in our future. There's still something to hold on to. And it leads us to the second one, hope. Hope is viewing your pain through the lens of your purpose and your potential. Hope is viewing your pain through the lens of your purpose and your potential. Listen, what the enemy of your relationship, the enemy of your soul wants to do not just in the context of your relationship, but in every area of your life. What he wants you to do is view life through the lens of your pain. He wants you to look through and let everything be colored and distorted and shaped by the pain that you're going through right now. And some of you are walking through some brutal seasons. You're walking through some deep things with your your spouse. You're walking through a challenging personal season. And it's all real, but what the enemy wants you to do is view life through that pain. That everything you see is is shaped and filtered by that pain. But what God is calling us to do, what God is calling you to do, is to view life through the lens of your purpose and of your potential. To view it with this hope that, yes, right now as I look at this situation, it's painful and it's hard and it feels like it's hopeless. But when I look through it through the lens of my purpose, I know that if I have breath in my lungs, there's a reason I'm here. I know that that if I look at life through the potential that I have, the potential of what God can do in this painful situation, there's hope that abounds. There's rivers that can come flowing through that desert wasteland. There's hope and a path through the pain in the wilderness that you're walking through. For some of you, you need to hold on to that hope. You need to view your marriage through the lens of the potential it has, the potential it has to change your family, the potential it has to raise your kids, seeing a husband and a wife fighting for each other, the potential that it has to change the shape of your immediate family and your friend groups, the potential it has for you to come together and absolutely step into the purpose that God has created you with. You can view your life with this hopeful, and it's not positive thinking, it's viewing life through the potential and the purpose that God has created you for. Guys, you're together for a reason. You're together for a reason. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a bad decision at Vegas. It it was on purpose, and God can do something incredible through your life. In his book, The Seven Laws of Love, Dave Willis that we heard from a couple weeks ago, he has this incredible definition. What he, he sought out to do was to find this like 
beautiful definition of love by all the books that he could read and all the scripture in in the Bible that talks about love. And he tries to boil it down to this one small paragraph. And it's so good. It's so rich. It's full of so many things that I'm not even going to try to pretend like I came up with it or pretend like I can say anything better. So let's just read it together. And this is the third thing. Love. Love is an unconditional commitment to selflessly serve, to truthfully communicate, to fearlessly protect, to gracefully forgive, to compassionately heal, and to enduringly remain in relationship with and for the sake of another. There's no need to add to that. It's beautiful. Listen, what I challenge you to do is to to look at that definition. We'll put it on the screen again. We'll have it in the comment section and circle it, write it down, write it down. We'll put it on social media this week for you to selflessly serve. Maybe you need to do that. To truthfully communicate, to fearlessly protect, to gracefully forgive, to compassionately heal, and to enduringly remain in relationship with one another. Guys, let's set that as the goal. Let's set that as the goal that we try to accomplish. I love in verse 13. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize that you run for. Let that be what you're running for in your relationship. As we close out today, in that same book, The Seven Laws of Love, Dave tells this story about uh, a mutual friend that we had that was at the church um, with us. And his name is Jamie. And Jamie was a, a police officer. But Jamie and I were really we're close friends because we were going through school together, finishing up online school while we both were working full time. And we would see each other every Sunday. And it's like, did you how'd you do on that test? Man, we're so close. Three more months. We're almost there. So every we had this unique connection with each other that we were going through the same classes and the same timeline. And we graduated at the same time doing online. We both had kids. We both were working full time. It was it was this really cool connection. But Jamie, as a police officer uh, in this story, he he had an opportunity to respond to a call where uh, this older lady she passed away of natural causes. And he went and, and got to sit down with the husband for a little while, who was probably in his mid eighties. He was in his eighties for sure. And her, the husband is just going on and on about his wife, just how amazing they were. And Jamie was asking questions about how they met. And it was just this beautiful tapestry of a life that they had built together. But towards the end, the old man said something really powerful. He said, through tears. We were married for 66 years and it wasn't enough time. I could have loved so much more. I could have listened more. I could have cared. I I could have done so much more. I wish I could have had more time. Isn't that amazing? That after 66 years of marriage, he's looking back going, man, I still had more to give. I still had more that I could have done. I I wasted time. And it's like, dude, you had 66 years together. How could you still feel like there was more to give? But isn't that the truth? Guys, that inspires me and challenges me. We've got to make a choice. We've got to make a decision like the story we are at the very beginning of this message. We have to decide. 
We have to decide that we're we're not going to be passively aware that our relationship has potential, but we're too lazy to do anything about it. We have to make a decision that right now, in this moment, in February of 2021, we put a, a, a stake in the ground. We put a flag in the ground that says, no more will we just have this passive relationship with whatever happens, it happens. And it is what it is. Right now in this moment, right now in this season, I'm going to love you the way that Jesus loves me. I'm going to have faith and hope and love for you that surpasses all the pain that we're walking through right now. All the struggle, all the circumstances, all the financial confusion, all of the things that we've been dealing with, no more are we going to passively sit by and just hope that our relationship is going to work out in the end. Right now in this moment, I choose you. Right now in this moment, I will love you. Right now in this moment, I will have faith and call out greatness in you. Right now in this moment, I will have hope for the future. I will not idly sit by and allow the enemy of my soul and the enemy of my purpose to wreck this marriage, to wreck this relationship. I will hold tight to you because God has given you to me as a gift. And I will treat you as the gift that the Lord has given me. Are you ready to make that call today? Are you ready to close the gap between the intentions that you had and the, and the actions that you're taking right now? Are you ready? Because I know that I am. I will not allow the enemy of my soul to rob me of the blessing of my marriage. I won't do it and neither will you. Right now in this moment, we join hands, we join hearts, we join spirits saying right now, we will be the marriage and the family God has called us and created us to be. If you're ready to do that right now, right where you are, let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I feel you so strong in this moment. I feel your presence all around me. God, there are so many marriages right now that they're, they're ready to give up. They're afraid. They don't know what the future holds. And they're allowing the fear of what could be to rob them from what is right now. So God, in your name, Jesus, in your name, we pray against the enemy of our marriages. We pray against the enemy of our family. He wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy all that you have given us, the blessing that you have set before us, the power that comes when we're unified with you and we're unified with each other. When, they, when we are connected like that as a family, God, there's no place in hell that can handle the power that we have unified with you and unified with one another. So God, we pray right now that you would bind us together again, that you would draw us together again. Lord, that we would love each other the way we did in the beginning, that we would not just dispassionately hope that things are going to be all right. We're no longer roommates. We are lovers. We are connected. We are in this. And God, for those who need to take a step of faith, for those who need to take a step and do something different, give them the courage and the boldness and the clarity to know exactly what they need to do in order for them to, to reignite the passion in their relationships. God, you can do this. God, we can do this. We will intentionally move forward with you and with one another, believing and holding fast to the faith and the hope. And above all, we pursue with all that we have, the love 
that you've given us. Jesus, we thank you. I pray right now you would just meet everyone right where they are. Right where they are, that they would feel you. They would feel your presence. They would feel your Holy Spirit. And that they would know that they can make it and that they can do it. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Pray all of this in your strong and your mighty name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.